Good morning, Northwest. How are you this morning? Excellent. And welcome to our first service of the day. What an exciting day it is to get together because this is probably one of the most important days in the Christian calendar. Of course, this is Easter when Jesus actually died and rose again. That's what we believe. Um, for anyone who has not given their life to Christ, that is a really weird concept for someone to have died and then risen from the grave. So um, I, we understand how peculiar that sounds, but for those who are being saved, the Bible says that we get this. It has changed our lives. So uh, can you turn to the person beside you and tell them Christ is risen? And then say back to the person, Christ is risen indeed. Yeah, now you're officially Christian. That's all it takes. And then a whole bunch of dying to yourself. That's the stuff we don't tell you about. <laughs> well, we're excited about today. It's always good to get together, and I hope that, um, that you're able to spend some time with the family today. We're going to be doing, um, usually we do like a big performance at, at, at Easter, and uh, I just didn't feel like dancing this year. Um, but we are going to have uh, one performance afterwards once we look at the, uh, the Word of Christ this morning. So let's uh, pray as we open up uh, the, the Word of God together. Father, we want to thank you right now. And if we take a moment every hour, every minute, just to speak to you and just to pray uh, to you, just to converse with you, Father, we are willing to do that if it puts you, more of you, into our lives. Because, Father, we know that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same Spirit that is within us. And we want to be alive to that inside of us. And we ask for your presence here this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to look at a really peculiar thing today. I want to talk about the blood of Christ. Now, the blood of Christ is quite a, a, a peculiar thing to talk about because it's really something that to anyone who has not really uh, fall, uh, given themselves to the, the, the Christian path, it's a peculiar thing to talk about the blood of Christ. But when you think about the blood of Christ and about when Jesus actually died, it seems like it's, it would be that we'd want to focus on only the good stuff of what happened with Jesus. We wanna focus on the fact that he rose from the dead and, and how much he gives us life and life to the full. And I agree with that. And in, in fact, we can entirely put so much effort into talking about just his life that we often forget about what he did on the cross. We often forget about the whole point of the blood of Christ. And when I was growing up, my mother used to always talk about pleading the, the blood of Christ over me. And as a child, that just seemed a little creepy because I'd have this vision of blood just kind of pouring over the top of me and I'm walking around town with all this blood all over me. Weird thing, right? That was my mother. I don't know what your mother was like, but that's what my mother was like. She used to pray for me and she would say, I would just plead the blood of Christ over my son. About 10 years ago, I, uh, I, I, there was a movie that came out. You'll probably remember it. You remember the, the Passion of Christ? And it was something that really affected me personally because there were several scenes, of course, when you saw it, it was a very brutal type of movie and it's a very kind of sobering uh, uh, view of what happened at the cross. And, and, I, and I think it was good for us because it helped us to truly understand what Christ went through. But there was something that happened in this movie that, that was uh, where Mother Mary, basically after Jesus was scourged, she came in and she knelt down on top of the blood that he had spilled on the, on the ground. I don't know if you remember this part of the movie, but the scourging process is where they basically took him and they take this whip that had many strands off of it. And on the, on the end of the strands, it had these 
pieces of flint or stone or bone. And when you whipped a person, it didn't just put lashes and whips on them, but it literally grabbed into the skin and then tore the skin from his body. And of course, anyone who understands what the cross is about knows that Jesus went through this particular thing and believes that by his stripes, we are healed. But later on, his mother comes in and she kneels down on the ground and starts wiping up his blood. And it was something that always affected me. Something that always somewhat disturbed me, what what a parent must feel when they have to go in and clean up after their child. Just as Jesus called, uh, sorry, just as Peter called the blood of Christ, the precious blood of Christ, how much more must Mary have felt about her son's blood being spilled on the ground? And it wasn't until maybe a year later when I had my first child, I had my son, Kale, and uh, we were, we were gr- uh, very grateful to have this nice, healthy baby boy. But there was one problem he had, and that was that one of his kidneys wasn't properly developed. And about six months later, we realized that he had so many infections in his body, and we just thought, well, maybe this is the way a, ch- a child is, and this is the things you have to put up with as a, as a parent. But it got to the point where six months later, he was so lackadaisical, we thought maybe he would just have the flu. And then one day he'd be fine, the next day he'd be sick, and then one day he'd be fine, the next day he'd be sick. And it went back and forward, and we would go to the doctor, and they would try and give us medicines or advice of what to do with them, but they couldn't figure out what was wrong with them. Until one day we went to the doctor and it was just so bad because he couldn't keep fluids down. And I remember going into the doctor and he's like, well, maybe it's an ear infection. Yeah, he has an ear infection. He has a bladder infection. He had all these different infections in his body. And it's like, well, we could give him some more medicine. And thank God that my, my, my doctor was a believer. And as he went out of the room, he said he just, he stopped and he prayed and he said, Father, what is this? And he felt he, felt he should test my son's blood. And when he took the test of my son's blood, he said, just stay here, it's gonna be another hour. I'm gonna rush it over to the laboratory on the other side of town, and then we'll give you the results of what's wrong with with what's going on in his body. So they went and checked his blood and it came back and they said, we've called an ambulance, we're gonna rush you over down to the main hospital downtown. You need to go there right now. So we went there to the main hospital and, and of course they started, you know, hooking him up with all these wires and these tubes that were all in his body. And, um, and it found out that he actually had a blood disease. And it was something that the daughters had said to us, if you'd waited one more day, there's a good chance your son would be dead. Now for a new, a new parent, that's a pretty sobering thing to hear that your, your child might have actually just died. And then you start questioning yourself of what did I do wrong to not safeguard my son? And I never understood the power and the importance of blood. And that day, what I did was I went into the bathroom by myself and I I really went down on my knees and I said, God, I can't handle this. I know that you gave your son for me, but I don't know if I can handle giving my son to you. I don't know that I can go through this. And I would love to say that that prayer ended with, not my will, but yours be done like Jesus said. But really, in my heart, I didn't want to do this. And it was at that moment when I realized how important blood is to our lives, how important it is in our bodies, how important it is that the blood of Christ brings us life into our bodies. And so I started studying this and I discovered that the power of the the blood of Jesus Christ was so powerful that it affected many parts of our lives. It affects our our affections, our, our attentions and our actions. And I can see this in the Bible. Our first part of the, what I see in this was that Jesus' reconciling blood saved my infections, which is all about my heart. 
And in Colossians 1.19, it says, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him, Jesus Christ, to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Now, I'll be honest, I've read this type of Scripture many times, but it didn't really mean anything to me until I started to understand the importance of blood. Now, what is this all about when we talk about this? Well, really, the whole point of what Jesus did on the cross was that He was trying to allow us to have a way back to the Father. Now, you know this, that if you go over to Walmart right now and you steal something and you get caught, what's going to happen to you? Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? You're gonna be on an episode of Cops, right? Okay, so, so they're gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna get put in chains, you're gonna put in cuffs or something, and you'll be taken in front of a judge, and then you'll be handed out or meted out a punishment to yourself. We know that. And I know this, that in a presence of a holy God, sin cannot exist. And so therefore, I have to pay for the sins that I have committed before God. That's what a good and a righteous judge should do. So therefore, I'm meant to pay with my life what I have done to commit sins against God. And I know I've got plenty of them. But Jesus stepped in the path and said, you know what? I'm gonna take on the price that you're meant to pay and I'll pay for it. And that's why we as Christians talk about the blood of Christ bringing us life because His death paid for our sins so that we might have life what would that be? That would be reconciliation with God as it just said. It said, and through Him, Jesus Christ, to reconcile to Himself all things. That's reconciling us back to Him. So what's the power of this blood all about? It's all about reconciliation. That I know this, that if the Father can reconcile Himself to us and reconcile us back to Him, then that same power should exist in me to reconcile me to every other person that I'm bitter against. You see, the thing is with bitterness is that bitterness doesn't exist in your body, in your hands, in your knees, in your will. Bitterness exists in your heart. That's why we use the phrase bad blood, or there's bad blood between those two brothers, Bad blood has the power to separate people who are meant to have deep affection for each other. And I'm sure that many of you have got fractured relationships in your family just as much as I do. But at the end of the day, one thing I can't afford to do is I can't afford for bitterness to take root in my life, which is why I pray for my family in America and I pray for my family in Scotland with my children every night. Because even though I could account or I could number the amount of things that they've done wrong against me, I can't afford for that bitterness to kill me. I can't afford for it to stop my heart from loving. That's why the reconciling blood of Jesus Christ, it kickstarts my heart again and it saves my affections from going cold and for bad blood from killing my heart. Can I hear an amen? Let me tell you then the next thing that I found about the blood of Christ is that the blood of Christ, the judging blood of Christ saves my attentions. It saves my attentions. In Romans 12 verse two, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is, what does that word say? What is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight. What is good and acceptable in His sight. 
when I was about 12 years old, there was a big thing that really happened in my city. And my city was like in the center of what you call berry country. Where we used to grow all these different berries. There'd be strawberries and raspberries and gooseberries and blackberries and, and blueberries and all these different types of berries. And, and in the summer, what would happen is the farmers would get all these old rickety buses and they would drive them into the, the city center and uh, they would, they would, they would uh, <clears throat> put a, a call out to anybody who wanted to make some money that day. And as uh, I was about 12 years old, me and my friend said, hey, let's go make some money. So we said, great. So we went down early into town, took a little pack lunch, and, uh, and got on the berry bus and then they drive you all the way out into the countryside. And so you get in the countryside and there's just rows and rows and fields of berries. And we get down on our hands and knees and you start picking these berries and then you start lusting after these berries, right? You start picking one, you're like, oh, it's delicious. I don't even need to bring a pack lunch because these berries are delicious, right? And so you start pick, you know, filling up this bucket about this big. And then when you pull your bucket up, you take it over to the berry truck and you put it on the scale and then it'll go, okay, Peter, you made one pound 12 pence and you're depressed for the rest of the day because there's so little money per bucket of or they call punnet of, uh, of berries and by the end of the day you pick so many berries maybe you've made 10 pounds 50 pence and I remember lining up in, 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 the, in the line of all the other berry pickers just covered in red all over your hands and then getting 10 pounds, 50 pence and then put back on the berry bus and then shipped back into town, right? And it, you know, and there was, a, there was, a, there was a, 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 a hard work that went into this and there was a certain joy that went into it that knowing fine well that I had made this money and I thought I, was, I thought I was a working man, right? 12 years old, of course I was a working man. Look at these hands are covered in berries, right? And so I get home and I'm like tired and I take a shower and I go to bed and all I can see is berries. And then I go to sleep finally and then I start having nightmares about berries. And the berries are everywhere and I'm swimming in berries. And what I learned from a very early age is that what you put your attentions to fills up your life. What you put your mind on fills up your dreams. It fills up your attentions. And that's why the Word of God tells us that we're meant to actually excuse me, to be, not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind. That by testing, we may be able to discern what is the will of God, what is good. The power of God has the ability to change our minds, but if we put it on bad things or things that are somewhat lazy, it's easy for other stuff to fill up our lives. This is why porn doesn't work. Because when we watch it or we put too much attention on it, it gets into our minds and we start thinking about it and lusting after it or even filling our lives up with entertainment. Entertainment that can maybe just be a very lazy way of actually trying to make ourselves relax and then we allow anything to come into our minds. You see, the reason why it's the judging power of God, and listen, I've heard people say this, you can't judge, you're a Christian, you can't judge, the Bible tells us we're meant to judge. Why? Because it's the difference to be able to tell the difference between what's good and what's bad. If we just decide that it doesn't matter, then we'll be willing to take anything into our minds and fill it up and now we change ourselves. It can kill us from the inside to the outside. That's why it's important to be able to know and have this power to be able to decide, is it good or is it bad? Listen. Before you watch TV, before you listen to a debate on TV, before you listen to something on the radio, before you fill your mind up with what other people's opinions and thoughts are, take some time to put the blood of Christ into your life and say, Father, I'm asking that you'll give me the power to decide what is good and what is bad for me.
Not what I don't like, not what's right or wrong, but what is good and what is bad. Because there are many things that might be okay for one person, but they're not good for someone else. And, I'm, and having the ability to be able to discern what is good for us saves our lives. The third thing that I found about the blood of Christ is this. I found out that the obedient blood of Christ saves my actions. It saves my actions. In Hebrews 9:14, it says, the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleans our consciences from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. There's a love here that is something that is important that we must understand. It's not a love that is based on feeling. It's not a love that's based on understanding, but it's simply a love that's based on action. That's the deepest love we can find. You see, it's very easy to fall into love and just as easy to fall out of love. It's very easy to see that we like things and that we cognitively love things. But there is a certain level of love that is based on action alone. And that's why the blood of Christ was an obedient blood. When he was in the garden before he was about to go to the cross, it says he went, Father, I don't wanna do this. <laughs> this whole cross thing, to be honest, I don't wanna do it. And if you could just take us away from me, it would really work really well for me right now. And then he said, but not my will, but yours be done. You see, obedience is about the ability to make our wills powerful in the hands of God. I came here years ago to America and I thought, someone asked me the other day, have you long, how long have you been here? And I said, I think my, there we go. I, I only came for a year and I've been here for 20 years, right? So that's the longest overstayed visa in the world. That's okay. I'm a citizen. I'm one of you now. <laughs> well, they applaud and some are like, how did he get in? And I remember being here for like a year or so, and then I went back to Scotland to see my family, and, and I was over there, and I, and I had this car. This was my one car, that was my treasure. You know, when you're, when you're like in your early 20s, and your car defines who you are, right? Because if your car's cool, then you're cool, right? If it has go faster stripes on the side, then somehow it seems to go faster, right? And this car was my favorite car. It was an awesome car, I loved it. And uh, I, I babied this thing, and I looked after it. When I went back to Scotland, I had left it in my, my parents' driveway there, and I'd been there for uh, a year or so. And I remember looking at this car, and I knew that God was speaking to me and said, give your car away. And I'm like, what? You're out of your cotton freaking mind. That was my Americanisms that I'd learned back in America. <clears throat> and I said, um, and I said uh, you know, I don't think that's a good idea, God, because I'm coming back to Scotland, right? So why would I want to sell my car when, uh, you know, or get rid of my car or give my car away? <laughs> Hello, this is worth a lot of money. Why would I want to give my car away when the fact is that, you know, I'm going to be coming back to uh, Scotland and, and I need, I'll need a car when I get back. But I knew that God had kept on putting an urge in my heart. And I'd like to say that I obediently complied and said, yes, Father, whatever your will is. And then I just gave my car away. I didn't feel that. I didn't want to do it. I hadn't even agreed to it yet. And after that Sunday, I remember going back to my, my after Sunday morning, I went back to my parents' house and, and we got a phone call from a family 
who had just come up to our house and, and they came up to our house and, and there was the father with the three small children and you could tell something was tense, something was wrong. And, I, and my mum came in the kitchen, she closed the door and said, uh, just make some tea right now. And I'm like, what's up, what's going on? She goes, uh, Sonia's just died. That was the mother. And I remember Sonia when I was a child myself and she was a girl that was brought up in a very abusive family. She always had difficulties with accepting who she was, accepting life, accepting the responsibilities of life because she was so brutalized as a child. And that morning when we had all gotten up, she had decided that she was going to end her own life. And she took the family car and went down to the river with a can of gasoline and set herself on fire. And in that moment is when I realized how selfish I was to want the things for myself and how reticent I was to obey God. And in that moment, I realized I need to give my car to this family because my sacrifice was so much smaller than my obedience. And I wasn't willing to obey that fast, which is why God tells us that to obey is better than sacrifice. And what Jesus did on the cross is not so much just about his sacrifice, but it's about his obedience. And if he can obey even to the cross, in fact, it says in Philippians verse two and eight, it says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. If he can do it, I can do it. If he can spill his blood as an example of how to follow the Father, then I can man up and give away the small things that I have in my life. This is something that is so important because this morning, I want us to understand that the blood of Christ or what Jesus did on the cross is easy to apply to the horrific or the bad things in life when the fact is it's for our everyday. It's for our everyday moments. And right now we're gonna be, I'm gonna invite the, the dance team up here in a second. And you're gonna see a, a, a dance about a family at a table. And you're gonna see a guy on the couch watching Netflix. And then you're gonna see a group of young girls that are, that are at work and they're working and stuff. And it's easy to, to think that the blood of Christ or the cross is Christ is only for the worst parts of our lives or only for the time when we decide to give our lives to Christ. But the one thing I learned about when my son was going through his sickness was this, that blood, is what gives life to the extremities of your body, to the things that seem insignificant. In fact, in fact, if he had any of these uh, uh, diseases in his life, if he had these infections in his life, it's simply because his blood couldn't heal those parts of his body. Jesus wants to bleed into every part of our body, into our mind, into our hearts, into our wills, into our choices every day. That's why the blood of Christ cleans us from all sins. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us to understand what you have done for us and how we're meant to take what you have done on the cross and put it into every day of our lives. We ask this in your precious son's name, amen.